book of Hebrews and to chapter 12. We just read chapter 11, and chapter 12 uh, flows straight out the back of it and tells us why we bothered reading chapter 11. You'll have noticed if you were here last week, uh, Andy preached from Hebrews chapter 6. This book is obsessed with Christians continuing in their Christianity with, uh, as Andy highlighted last week, pilgrims progressing in their journey. Uh, That's very true for us tonight. The the book of Hebrews would want to tell us to not let go of the gospel, to continue, uh, to hold firm to Christ. And that's what it's going to say to us tonight. But let me pray for us before we read. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. Uh, We recognize it is a great many things to us, but we recognize it's something we need your help to understand. So we pray again tonight that you might uh, grant us understanding as we seek to meditate upon your truth. Father, we pray that so that your word might be a source of strength to those of us who are weary, that it might be a source of direction to those of us who are wondering, that it might be a provision of hope and encouragement for each one of us as we seek to hold fast to the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Let's read together Hebrews chapter 12, starting at verse 1. Therefore, so because of chapter 11, since we are surrounded by such a great crowd of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen. This is God's word. I don't know when the last time you heard the expression, on your marks, get set, go, was. Uh, Maybe you love sports and you long to hear those words and you compete every weekend. Or maybe you've avoided hearing those words since some sort of agonizing P7 sports day which you really wish hadn't been forced upon you. But whether you're athletic or whether you wouldn't even be interested in watching athletics, we all get the picture that's being given in Hebrews chapter 12 of a runner and of the Christian race, uh, the Christian walk being kind of like a race. That's what the big picture for us tonight is of the Christian life being kind of like running a race. It's pretty clear straight away that the race being pictured is not a sprint. Do you notice that straight away in verse 1? This is a race that requires perseverance, or you might have endurance in your translation. It's a race that's long and goes on for a while. Even the word that's used for race in the original language is the word used for a kind of first century Greek Olympic long, long race a race that would be difficult and that had twists and turns and obstacles and risks. If you imagine an Iron Man plus a Tough Mudder, you're getting in the right kind of direction. Some of you might be thinking at this moment that this is a very apt picture for the Christian life, not a sprint. For many of us, being a Christian is something that goes on for decades, something that's not very easy. This is not a stroll along a nice flat path at twilight. Running the Christian race, seeking to be people who love God and grow in Christ-likeness and serve Christ's church and go and make disciples of all nations for your entire life is hard work. That is a marathon. I don't know all of you uh, incredibly well. I know some of you really well. But uh, let me ask you the question. You'll know the answer to this. How is your race going? If you're going to picture yourself, your Christian life, as being like a runner on the tracks, uh, how's your race going? I don't know where you're up to in that race, whether you're just out of the blocks or whether you've been running for ages and your legs are just shattered. 
Maybe the question you're asking tonight is, how do you keep running? Well, that's why Hebrews 12 is here. As the book of Hebrews so often does, it encourages us to keep on going. You saw that in chapter 6, you can see it in chapter 10, and you can see it tonight in chapter 12. He doesn't just tell us tonight that we should run with perseverance. He tells us how to run with perseverance. So as we picture ourselves on the track tonight, I was going to wear Nikes, partly because it was my last time and partly as an illustration, but it just didn't seem reverent, so I didn't. What a wuss. Uh, As we picture ourselves on the track tonight, as we mentally put on our Nikes, he wants to give us three essential, and I mean essential, running tips. If you want to run the Christian life, if you want to run it with perseverance, here they are, three absolutely key tips, and they're all part of this Olympic race kind of picture. He says we should do three things. Number one, he says we should run listening. Number two, he says we should run laying aside. And number three, he says we should run looking. And we're going to pick apart what each of those means. So number one then, first thing we're called to do is to run listening. You'll notice straight away in this passage that this is not a quiet run, not something done in isolation. But like the Olympics, there is a surrounding crowd, a crowd so big it's described in verse 1 as a cloud. I think I accidentally read crowd. They're very similar words. Cloud, a big surrounding mass of people. And those people it's talking about are the people we read about in chapter 11, these saints of old. Now to the runner of the Christian race, they are surrounding us like a cloud of witnesses. So if you've ever wondered, what's the point of the Old Testament? What's the point in Hebrews chapter 11? How is it relevant to me? It is relevant to you as much as a crowd at a race is relevant to the runner. They are relevant to us as witnesses. Now let me be clear. They're not saying they're watching us. They're not witnessing us like some sort of spectator sat at the side with a hot dog and a beer. They're here to witness, not us, but witness to us. They're to testify to us. They've got some information that they want to say to us. They want to help and encourage us to run. So they're like a crowd or a cloud of coaches surrounding us now, telling us some information. And let me be clear, they don't speak to us in some strange ancestral kind of spooky way uh, where you have to be a little bit mystic. They don't surround us by speaking to us through stained glass windows, but no, the answer is in the middle of that stained glass window. What a teaching aid we've got in the room tonight. That's always fun. They speak to us through the Bible. This is how they still speak. Did you notice that? It said that Abel still speaks even though he's dead. He speaks to us through God's words. This is how the crowd surrounds us. These saints of old are screaming to us from the bleachers of this book. And chapter 11 makes very clear what they would want to coach us in, what they want to tell us about. They want to tell us what the race of faith looks like. In particular, they want to tell us what the faith is and what the running is. So here we go. Here's what the, f- the faith part of this race of faith looks like. Uh, far be it from me to accuse Ross of being a broken record, but he was very repetitious. The race that these men were running is a race of faith. By faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. And flick back over the page to chapter 11, verse 1. That's going to tell us what this faith that's being demonstrated through these people is all about. Chapter 11, verse 1, here's what it says to us. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So here's faith. Faith is all about being certain of our hope, something that we've not yet not yet got or not yet see, uh, trusting in that and being certain about those things which we don't see yet. 
So faith is all about confidence or assurance of things that we don't see, namely God and his promises. Faith is all about then looking forward to stuff that we can't yet see, trusting in stuff that we've not yet arrived at. Faith is all about looking forward. I'm doing this action a lot because it's a big deal. Faith is about looking forward to God and his promises. That's what the heroes are doing. So every time it says, by faith, such and such, it's saying, by this kind of faith, looking ahead, such and such did something. Let me show it to you. Look with me at 11 verse 8, and look at the way they're looking ahead. Verse 8, speaking about Abraham, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to the place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though... He did not know where he was going. He hadn't seen it yet, but he was trusting in faith. Again, verse 10, look with me at Abraham once more. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. A place he couldn't see, a place he couldn't even imagine. But by faith, he was looking forward to it. Flick over the page. Let's see it again with Moses, a great hero of the faith. Look at verse 26 with me. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ who he hadn't yet seen, as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt. Why? Because he was looking ahead to his reward. Moses, again, in verse 27, by faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who was invisible. So this is what the faith is. We want to be runners of the race of faith. Faith is all about looking ahead, trusting in God and in his reward and in his promises. That's the faith part. And here's what the running is. The running is persevering through trials. So it keeps saying, by faith, by faith, by faith, such and such persevered. They pressed on through something. Let's look at some of the stuff they went through, even just skimming over it. It's immense. This is the the running part. This is what it means to run the race of faith. Just look at this. Just skim over it with me. They left their homes. You should come to Hoik. They moved to new places. You should come to Hoik. They gave costly offerings. They were fearless. They refused Pharaoh, they backed God's people, they were disgraced, they faced the angers of kings, they hosted spies, and then verse 32, he says, I've not even got time to tell you about all of these guys. Verse 33, look at some more things they went through. They they they, by faith, they conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised, shut the mouths of lions, that's awesome, quenched the fury of flames, and escaped the edge of the sword. And the list goes on and on and on. By faith, they did these amazing things. Faith, trusting in what was ahead, running, persevering through the trials. That's what the race of faith is like. And chapter 12, verse 1 says that because of what they're saying to us, because of what they're witnessing to us about this kind of running, it's meant to have an effect on us. Did you see that in verse 12? It begins saying, therefore and since. So because of what these people are throwing into our ears, that should make us do the next two things throwing off sins, and running with perseverance. What they're saying to us in chapter 11 is meant to lead to a response. Like the crowd, it's meant to egg you on in some sort of way. Here's how they do this. Firstly, they tell us exactly what the race of faith is like. So that if we find ourselves finding it difficult, we can say, oh, I've got company in Moses and in Abraham and in all these heroes of the faith. If we think, man, it just seems like I'm looking ahead to promises and every day is trials. Good. You're on the right tracks, and you've got company in the Old Testament. Don't feel lonely, but see what's being demonstrated and join in with it. Secondly, though, this is amazing. They inspire us. Look at what they did. That's a pretty cool list. Shutting mouths of lions? Yes, get in. I want to do that. 
I want to be in this kind of list. And now Hebrews 12 is saying, the baton is being passed to you by these legends. Grab hold of the baton, and as you do, you can almost still feel the heat of Usain Bolt's hand. It's being passed to you. You're being asked to run in this same race of looking forward in faith and persevering through trials. You're getting invited to add your name to the Hebrews chapter 11 kind of list. You want to be on that list? I want to be on that list. They're telling us of triumphs of God's grace, and they're saying, come and be part of the triumphs of God's grace. Third thing, this is really important, they tell us that this is the running that God approves of. If you want to know how to be someone who lives and who runs in a way that Christ loves, they tell us this is the answer. Did you notice that in 11 verse 2? Flick back with me. Check I'm not making it up. 11 verse 2. This is what the ancients were commended for. This is a commendable way to run. Verse 6 says, if you don't run with this kind of faith, you can't please God. And then just in case we'd missed it, in verse 39, these were all commended for their faith. So if you want to live in a way that pleases God, you want to run in a way that's worthy of a prize, here it is. This is what the overseer of the universe says he wants his people to be like, looking forward in faith and persevering through trials to something greater than even the saints of old had hoped for. If you want to run for the audience of one, this is what he wants from you. So that's what this extra man, this crowd that surrounds the runners is wanting to do to us. They want to inspire us and direct us and give us a demonstration and they want to tell us this is what God loves. So here's the question, getting a little bit practical. Are you listening? Are you listening as you run the Christian life? Or are you running deaf? Are you letting these guys speak to you by reading about them in Hebrews 11 and in the Old Testament and adding the New Testament saints to this list? Are you letting them speak to you in a way which isn't just dry and information, but in a way that makes you say, yes, I'm going out running today. I'm going to go for it. Do you read the Old Testament like a Nike advert that just at the end says, just do it? Or do you read it like it's just boring old history? This is meant to inform and inspire us in a transforming energy in your legs kind of way. So are you doing that? Are you listening? And if the answer is no, how are you going to listen this week? Tell me, when are you going to do it this week? When are you going to open your ears to what God is saying through his word, through these people? Think of a time. Think of a day. Think of a place. Think of a book. Make a plan. Jot it down on the back of your hand. It doesn't have to be something I know, but it has to be something you're going to do. It is an essential running tip. We are meant to run listening. Make the most of that crowd support. And as we mentioned earlier, this crowd support leads us on to our second big tip. As we run listening, that leads us to be people who run, second point, laying aside. The big goal tonight is that we run with perseverance. And to do that, verse 1 says, you need to lay aside certain things in your life. I'm not going to lie to you, lay aside is a really wet way of saying it, but I just wanted them all to begin with L, and it was my last time to make them all begin with L. I should really say something like throwing it off or cutting it off. This is brutal language. Even in the passage, you see that? Let us throw it off. Don't play games with it. If you want to run, you cannot run tied up or weighed down, so you've got to cut off two things. First thing, weights, and then the second thing, sins. 
And let's be really clear, there's a distinction there, isn't there? Everything that hinders and the sin. So the first thing then, you might have in your translation weights or everything that hinders. We'll just call it weights for now. So these weights, these things that slow us down, really importantly, are not sinful. This is just stuff that slows you down. It's clobber that makes your running slower as you try and carry it. I don't know what this kind of stuff would be for you, but if you want to press on, this is stuff you need to put off. And you're meant to do it because of what you've heard. Look at what those saints gave up. Now, give some stuff up that you might run like them. I don't know what this kind of stuff would be for you, uh, but as you think of yourself, what are those things that are weighing you down in your life? Stuff that isn't sinful or wicked, but truthfully is definitely not helping you run. It might be that you're just overvaluing something. You're making your pursuit a, a career or a lifestyle. Uh, it might be your pursuit of having the ideal home. It might be certain people that you hang around with that just slow you down in your Christian life. It might be uh, the time you waste binge watching on Netflix. It might be your phone and the endless stream of distractions from the BBC Sport app and the Facebook app and the YouTube app and the Twitter app and the Instagram app and the Snapchat app and whatever else you want to play with. Now, let's be clear. None of these things are wrong in themselves. But if your relationship with them is such that it is slowing you down from loving God and from loving other people and from making the most of every opportunity and telling everybody while we've got breath, then it's slowing you down. It's a weight. You don't want to run with weights. Here's the thing. Whether you're an older person who's retired, or whether you're a student, or whether you're in the middle of a busy life full of prams and school runs and whatever else, the Christian race is on. Let's be clear, none of those life stages are a warm-up. And they're not a wind-down either. We've not got a practice shot. If you're a Christian here tonight, the race is on. Uh, I went to watch Grace in, was it Scottish or the Edinburgh Half Marathon? Scottish Half Marathon, not last year, but the year before. Very impressive. I don't do that kind of thing. Grace does. Uh, round of applause is probably due, but we won't. And I went. Uh, the people are in different sections for the race, and at the front is the most serious people, the people that are running for a personal best, the people that are actually going to run for a prize. And it was really interesting. Sometimes you see people out for a jog, don't you? And they've got hoodie on and trackies on and maybe a bottle of water. And for some of them, maybe a rucksack. I don't know why they run with rucksacks, but they do. But on race day, these serious runners were pretty scantily clad. We're talking shorts, vest, trainers, done. Because the race was on. Now, it would be fine if they were on a training run to carry around some extra stuff. But when the race is on... When it's prize-giving day, you don't play around with a rucksack. You get lean. This is exactly what we've seen the saints of old doing, isn't it? Trimming up their lives to go hard after what they were trusting in that they might run through the trials even better. We need to lay some stuff aside when the race is on. I don't know what that stuff would be for you, but let me encourage you, just pick one thing. What's one thing or one habit that is slowing you down? Maybe it just means you need to turn your phone off for an hour a night. I don't know what that thing is for you. But pick one thing. Because if we're going to throw off everything that hinders, we need to make everything something. And let me suggest we make that something one thing so we at least make a start. Pick one thing. Write it down on the back of your hand. Take a note of it on your phone. Pick one thing and get serious about giving it up. Second thing we're meant to throw off then. 
Firstly, the weights, just things that slow us down. Second thing, the sin. And look with me again at verse 1 at how the sin is described. Everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. This is what sin does to the Christian race. It entangles it. If you imagine Mo Farah running along and then suddenly he decides, I'm going to try and do this race carrying a massive Aberdeen fishing net on my back. Pretty soon his legs are wrapped up, his arms are wrapped up, he collapses to the ground, and Mo doesn't make the finish. This is what sin does to Christians. Think about it. We've all seen this person, haven't we? Somebody who looks like they're running well and then enters into the wrong relationship and pretty soon is doing sinful things and making sinful compromises. And pretty soon they're not interested in running any longer. You don't see them around church, you don't see their head in the Bible, and you don't see them making much of Christ in their life. This is what sin does. I don't know what that sin is for you. Maybe it's one particular sin that just keeps tripping you up. I think actually the writer to the Hebrews is just saying sin in general, this rot in our hearts. But as we said at the start, the race is hard enough. But if we're going to try and run this race tied up in knots by our sinful thoughts and attitudes and behaviors, dear friends, I worry that you won't make it. Again, what are those sins for you? What's ensnaring you? What's round your legs? What's wrapping your arms up? Maybe what you're downloading on your laptop or phone is causing your feet to drag. Maybe your pride is doing damage to the pace of your race. Maybe fear of man is making you fall to the ground. Ask yourself, what are the idols in my heart that are impeding me making progress forward towards my faith? Hear the witnesses. Look at Moses. He did not regard the fleeting pleasures of sin worth anything, but cut them off to pursue, to run. What are those things? Again, maybe you need to pick one thing. Maybe go after one sin in your life. Be brutal with it. What does Jesus say? Gouge it out. Cut it off. Get out the hacksaw with your sin so that you won't be pinned down by it. Here's the thing, though. Although listening to the witnesses is key, and although it does genuinely spur us on and motivate us, it's a good thing, these witnesses are literally never going to get onto the track with you and get the scissors out and start cutting off your sins and and taking weights off. And quite literally, they're never going to come and put physical strength in your legs to keep you going. It's just not what they do. That's why we need to run. Yes, listening But we're not looking at the witnesses. Did you notice that? They're meant to fill our ears, but they're not meant to fill our eyes. They are not the ultimate goal, and they are not the ultimate demonstration of the race of faith. They're not even the ultimate motivation or help. You don't see a marathon runner looking at the crowd for help. It just doesn't happen. That's not what they did, and that's not what they're telling us to do. Remember, they said, run the race of faith. Not looking to us, but looking forward in faith to God and to his promises. That's why reminder number three, race tip number three, is perhaps the most important tip that you can take home tonight. We are to run, verse two, looking to Jesus. Look with me at verse two. Where are our eyes meant to be? Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. 
That's what makes this the race of faith for us. We are looking forward to Christ and persevering through trials towards the object of our faith, Christ. If you've ever seen a serious long-distance athlete, they are people of immense focus. These are driven, fixated people who have their eyes on the prize. They don't glance left and right. They are dead ahead kind of people. And you know what's fascinating? When they get to the podium, they don't just say, this is what I've been thinking about for the last four hours. They say, this is what I've thought about for the last four years. This is my career has been fixated on this moment. That's what we're being called to here, to focus in one direction. And it's not each other in some sort of prideful comparison. It's not the past in some sort of idolatry. It's not ourselves where there's only ground for despair. It is at Christ. And verse 2 says, as we look at this Christ, we find two things. Did you notice that? How was he described? Firstly, as the pioneer and then of the perfecter of faith. That's what we're looking towards. A pioneer. That means one who's gone before us. A trailblazer. Uh, the first runner of this race of faith, one who has gone ahead and marked it out and completed the race. That's what we're looking to in faith. That's what our faith is in, in one who has gone before us and done it. One who made the medal ceremony. That's who's marked it out in our flesh. The Lord Jesus, as we saw last week, this one who's run ahead and is now in the heavens is our anchor that leads us forward to Christ. This is what we're looking forward to. And look at him as an example of this kind of race. Look at what he's pioneered. He looked forward to the joy that was set before him. And he persevered. What through? Through the cross. This is what we're looking to. We're looking forward as our example to one who has looked ahead. And as he looked forward to the cross, as he looked forward to the joy set before him, he persevered through the cross. And when it says cross, let's be clear. It doesn't just mean the crucifixion. It means every aspect of the cross experience of Jesus. It means the physical and the psychological and the spiritual. It doesn't just mean the crucifixion. It means the flogging. It doesn't just mean the flogging. It means the mockery. It doesn't just mean the mockery. It means the abandonment. It doesn't just mean the abandonment. It includes the betrayal with a kiss. Christ has gone through that trial, even through death itself, and has pioneered a way through it In his resurrection, now he has made a way through death. Look at where he is in verse 2. Sat down, raised to new life, sat in the throne room of God. That's the joy he was looking forward to, and he's made it. This is our pioneer. This is who we're trusting in and running after and looking for his footsteps every step of the way. That's who we're trusting in. Our faith is in a pioneer who has made a way through death, through his death, For us to be made right with God and to enter into his presence forever. That's what he's done. He's made a way by taking our sin and by giving us new life through his cross and resurrection. Now we follow in his footsteps all the way to the home he has already arrived at. That's what it means for him to be the perfecter as well. He's not just the pioneer, but he's the perfecter, the one who's finished the race and now brings everybody on the race of faith and even the very race of faith itself to its completion. Because he's done it, because he's now been made perfect, he sits on the throne of God to bring others to that same perfection, to bring them to the end of their race, along the path that he trod, through all the trials and through the grave, up into new life, in the presence of God, made perfect forever. 
That's what it means for Christ to be the perfecter. This is who we're looking to and trusting in. Pioneer and perfecter. Founder, finisher, author, perfecter. This is our Christ. This is why it's really important that these witnesses are telling us, look forward to Christ. Lay aside your sin. Run forward to Christ. Because that this Christ is our pioneer and perfecter means literally everything to us as we run. This is why the cloud was so keen to set our gaze on someone other than themselves. Because as we look to Jesus, we are helped really quickly in three huge ways. First one, as we look to Christ, we find our perfect example. We get to see what the race of faith really is like in our pioneer. Now, chapter 11 was very helpful. It gave us a rough idea. But let's be honest, those guys blew it. They got it wrong, and they didn't always make it spot on to the finish. They didn't arrive at the perfection. Christ has. Christ is the perfect template of the Christian life, enduring the cross, looking forward to the joy. And so now to be Christ-like means enjoy the cross and look forward to the joy. What does Christ say? If you want to come after me, take up your cross. What should our attitude be to sin? Well, he scorned the shame of the cross. So we should scorn our sin. He put sin to death in his body, so we should put sin to death in his body. And so as we look at one who has looked ahead, we too are to look ahead to this same joy of seeing him on his throne and knowing this is what we are running towards, to resurrection, to being with God. So in the middle of our trials, and some of us are in trials, we're sharing his suffering, looking forward to his joy. We follow the pioneer. Second thing, though, we don't just see our perfect example. We see our very goal and our very reward. The image of a finish line or of a podium is very helpful here, isn't it? This is what Christ is to us. The finish line is a person. The reward is a person, and it's Jesus. Runners stare at the finish line, the whole race. That's what the Old Testament saints did. That's what Christ did, and so we should do this looking at our finish line and our goal, our joy and our reward, and it's Jesus being with him in his place, filled with his joy that he is sharing with the Father and the Spirit forever. As we saw in Zephaniah, this is the end goal, sharing in the joy of the Godhead. That's what we're running towards. That's what we're running for. The race is hard, yes, but the hope is certain, and without a doubt, this reward is worth it. Because we're runners looking forward to a reward, this is why it's emotional to watch the Olympics. You ever found that? You cry watching the Olympics? You think, what's going on? I've lost it. But you haven't. It's emotional to see someone reach the podium, to gain the gold, because that's what we're in. We're runners running at a prize. I was at a graduation the other day, and it was a beautiful moment. For after four years of study, people got to hear the words, you have been found worthy. You made it. That's what we're running towards. Hearing that you made it. Every graduation, every podium ceremony is a tiny taster of what's coming for us who shared in the cross and so will share in the crown with Jesus forever. Those who run with him will be rewarded by him. Press on. Run. Keep your eyes on the prize. See the beauty of making the finishing line. If you've ever been at the funeral of an older saint who's run well, it's stunning. It's a beautiful thing to make the finish. 
So we need to keep our eyes on Christ and his example, but him as our reward till the end. Third thing, though, perhaps you worry tonight, will I make it? Will I make it? Will I see the finish? Will I reach the pearly gates? Let me tell you how to look at Christ in a way which should see you not worry. Yes, we're to look at him as our example and as our goal, but thirdly, we are looking towards somebody as our help. And let me be clear, this isn't one little glance at Jesus at one moment in your life. That's not what it means to look to him. What it means to look to him is that he is the gaze of your life every step of the way. And we're gazing at him, thirdly, as our help. Are you going to make it? Yeah, if you look to Christ, because he is a perfecter. He's the finisher of the race of faith. We gaze at somebody who brings it all to completion. He starts us on the race and he sees us right through to the end. From the throne on high, this great high priest is interceding right now for all of the runners that they might make it to the close. That's what he does for all of his saints. That's what he's doing. Even at the end of chapter 11, we saw that, that he's going to bring all of the saints, everybody who's running faith, persevering together in the one moment to be made complete forever because of what he has done as the pioneer and perfecter. Christ helps. He who began a good work will finish it, see it to completion on his day. So now by the Spirit, through the gospel, he's the one who helps us cut off sin as we look to the cross. He's the one who puts strength in our legs, who gives us courage in our hearts. He's the one who even gives us the faith. So here's the question. Are you looking? Are you looking to Christ as your example, as your goal, and as your help? Are you fixing your eyes on your soul's reward till the race is finished and the work is done? What can you do this week to put your mind's eye on the Lord Jesus? Give me one thing. Think of one thing you can do to fix your eyes on Christ. If you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, I'm so glad you're here. Uh, I don't know what's brought you here tonight, whether you've been coming for a while or you're totally new, but uh, we're so glad you're here. You're very welcome. Please stick around afterwards. We'd love to get to know you. Uh, But let me say this to you. I don't know why you're not running the race tonight. Uh, Maybe you've been in the stands for a while and you're kind of looking at the race of faith and thinking, should I do it? Maybe you're even in the blocks and there's just one thing holding you back. Let me say this, run the race, start, look to Christ for the first time tonight, trust in him to start your faith and to see you through the race and to bring you to his reward. The race is difficult, I'm not going to lie to you, but it's exciting and it's worth it to run for Jesus. This is the only race that counts and this is the only route to that reward. Start the race tonight. And if you're a Christian, maybe you've been running for many years, maybe you're fresh out the blocks, uh, maybe your race is going really poorly, and you need to think of some drastic steps to take to open up your ears and to cut off your sin and the weights and to look to Jesus properly. How are you going to do that this week? Are you going to come to the prayer team tonight and ask for help to do that? Looking to Jesus through prayer? Maybe you're running really well. Don't get distracted. We live in a world of so many voices and of so many false finishing lines. Keep your eye on the prize. Keep your ears open. Get rid of your weights and sins. Target one. One weight, one sin this week. One way you're going to look at the Lord Jesus. 
Look to him. Look at his run. Look at his joy. Look at his throne. That is everything you need to run the race of faith. And I look forward profoundly to seeing some of you at the finish. Let's pray together.